Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode may contain content not suitable for some audiences, including crimes against children, mentions of suicide, descriptions of a graphic nature, and adult language at times. Listener discretion is advised. I remember when they were younger, they would always say they were scared of monsters. And I would say, there's no such thing. How wrong I was. These are the haunting words of Angela Smith, the grandmother of Lacey and John Paul Bennett, and mother of Terry Harris, three of the victims in today's harrowing case. On the 19th of September, 2021, police would receive not one, but two calls, which would bring to light a series of events that would shock Great Britain. This is the story of the Killer Marsh murders. At exactly 7.26 that morning, the police received a call from a mother expressing concern for her adult son's safety. She told the operator that her son had told her he was suffering from self-inflicted stab wounds and she requested that police perform a wellness check. Minutes later, at exactly 7.38am, the police received another call. The man on the line stated in what was reported as an unusually nonchalant manner, I just need to report a crime. Basically, I need the police and an ambulance now because I've just killed four people. When the man identified himself and his address, the operator was able to link the two separate calls, both of which told very different stories. The man identified himself as Damien Bendel. (laughs) 
Needless to say, the officers were extremely concerned by both of the calls, and within minutes they responded to the address Damien and his mother had provided. When two officers arrived at the home, Damien met them outside, and in the same unworried tone of voice he had used on the phone, he asked the officers for a cigarette. He then explained he'd stabbed himself in the chest and stomach with a bread knife, and he stated that he refuses to go to prison again. Damien's hands were covered in blood, and when he lifted his shirt, the officers could see the injuries on his chest and stomach, although they were more like cuts rather than stab wounds, with very little blood. So where did the blood on his hands come from? Without skipping a beat, Damien repeated the words, I know I'm going to prison. Then, using the same indifferent tone of voice that he had used throughout the interaction, Damien stated that he had killed four people. By this point, the officers were extremely concerned for the well-being of those inside the residence. Damien had started to ramble on about blacking out and having an out-of-body experience, and officers had to interrupt him to ask whether the people inside the house were okay. To their question, Damien replied, No, there's one in the bathroom, two upstairs, and one in the bedroom. With Damien's assertion that he had killed four people, first on the phone, then twice on the doorstep of the home, officers decided to take him into custody under suspicion of murder. He was taken to the back of the patrol car by one officer, while the other entered the home. Both officers were hoping against hope that Damien was just a delusional drug addict who was high and telling stories. It just wouldn't make sense for somebody who had killed four people to casually ask for a cigarette and talk about what he had done in such a relaxed manner, would it? To the officer's horror, he found exactly what Damien had told them he would. The bloody, bludgeoned corpses of three children and an adult woman, presumably their mother, the victims were later identified as 35-year-old Terry Harris, who was Bendall's girlfriend, her daughter, 11-year-old Lacey Bennett, her son, 13-year-old John Paul, and Lacey's best friend, Connie Gent, who was also 11 years old. Dashcam footage recorded outside the home shows the gut-wrenching reaction of the officer who made the initial discovery of the victims. In absolute disbelief, the officer can be heard saying, Massive head wounds. They are gone. They are gone. They are gone. They are all gone. Fuck me. Thirty-five-year-old Terry Harris lived in a semi-detached home in Chandos Crescent in Killamarsh, Derbyshire, England. She was a loving mother to her two children, Lacey and John Paul Bennett, and she was described as a fantastic and amazing mother by many, including her own mother, whom she was exceptionally close with. 
Terry was divorced, but despite their differences, she and her ex-husband, Jason Bennett, worked together in their efforts to raise their children. Terry worked as a healthcare assistant in a nursing home, which was befitting of her kind and caring nature. Despite her busy schedule of taking care of her two children as well as working, Terry was also a compassionate and gentle soul who took part in fundraising events for local charities. She participated in a walk to raise money for bone cancer. She promoted donating to the Teenage Cancer Trust, and she even used her birthday as an excuse to host a fundraiser for Cancer Research UK. Terry was very close to her mother, Angela. They described each other as being more like best friends than mother and daughter. They spoke often and talked about anything and everything. Angela had been a rock for Terry through her divorce, and when Terry was ready to get back into dating, she talked about any potential love interests with her mum. Terry met Damian Bendel through a dating website in early 2020. By April of that year, they became an official item. Damien was honest with Terry about his history, which included a three-year stay in prison for robbery. He had also been charged with attempted robbery, possession of a knife causing grievous bodily harm and arson. Despite his violent past, Terry's kind and compassionate heart saw past Damien's flaws. She chose to see the good in him, and she truly believed that he posed no threat to her or her children. On the other hand, Angela had a completely different perspective of Damien. Terry had told her mum about his criminal history and how she believed he had changed for the better. But Angela couldn't shake the bad feeling she had whenever she was around Damien and she warned Terry to stay away from him. Angela had good reason to be concerned. When they became official, Damien moved in with Terry and her two children. He had previously been living in Swindon, Wiltshire, more than 126 miles away from where Terry lived. Terry saw Damien's willingness to move so far just to be with her as a romantic gesture. She took it as a sign that he was a changed man who was ready to commit to a more settled, family-centric life, far from his violent past. But the mask Damien put on for Terry saw a far cry from the man he was to those who knew him outside of their relationship. Acquaintances who knew Damien would often describe him as a wannabe gangster, he would do things like brag about having served time in prison and the crimes he had committed. He seemed to use this history as a way to make himself appear tough. Others would describe it as an attempt to come across as a bad boy who was not to be messed with. Damien preferred to dress in street-style tracksuits and he had multiple tattoos on his body. People who had crossed paths with Damien recalled how he actively attempted to give off a dangerous and dominant vibe. He would stare straight through a person as a way to intimidate them and assert his superiority. 
At one stage, Damien even took up bodybuilding and cage fighting, using the cover of the gym and competitions to give him a legitimate excuse for violence. He had a self-described method of, quote, dealing with people he didn't like. He reportedly gave them three strikes to make him angry, and upon the third, he'd say, you are fucked. Once that line was crossed, he would become violent with no care about who they were or who was watching. After the murders, members of the community where Damien once lived reported that he was known for torturing kittens in the area. Damien would later claim to have a split personality disorder. He stated that he just couldn't control his violent nature and he would have outbursts out of the blue. In other words, it wasn't really his fault that he became violent. But it wasn't only Damien's violent personality which should have been of concern. He was also known as a heavy drug abuser and addict, with his substances of choice being cannabis and cocaine. On occasion, he would take meth too. And whilst in prison, he was reported to have indulged in spice. Spice is a highly problematic drug in the United Kingdom that puts the user into an almost catatonic state whereby they completely cease to function. It's especially popular amongst prisoners and the homeless as it makes time disappear and they feel as though their sentences or hardships go by faster than they actually are. Despite these concerns... Terry chose to stay with Damien. This choice would ultimately cost her and her children their lives. The early months of Damien and Terry's relationship had been much like any other. Damien treated her well and offered her many romantic gestures of love. But, with the benefit of hindsight, we can now assume that Damien was love-bombing Terry in an attempt to get her to fall in love with him and overlook his shortcomings. He went to great lengths to prove he was a changed man. But shortly after moving in together, Damien began to assert control over Terry. He stopped her from seeing her friends and family, and he limited her contact with her mother. He knew Angela didn't approve of him, and he didn't want Terry getting any ideas about leaving him. For the duration of their relationship, Damien didn't have a job, and he was living under a curfew as part of a suspended sentence he had received for his previous convictions, most recently, arson. Therefore, he was completely dependent on Terry's income to fund his drug addiction, when she had no more money in her account, he would take items from her home to sell. In one such instance, he pawned her laptop, which contained precious photographs and memories of her children. If Terry stood up to Damien, he would become enraged, using his three-strikes technique to force her to back down. Undoubtedly, Terry didn't want her kids to see them fighting, and she didn't want Damien to escalate into physical violence either. So time after time, 
she chose to keep the peace. Over the coming months, Damien's behavior worsened. His drug addictions compounded his violence both inside and outside the home. Despite moving away from his home to be with Terry, he continued to spend time around the same people who connected him to the dark underbelly of society. His actions caused great mental and emotional distress for Terry, and she often sought support from her mother. But Angela's message was the same message Terry didn't want to hear. He is a dangerous man, and he will never change. Like many victims of domestic violence, Terry stayed in the hopes that Damien would change and return to the romantic and kind partner he had once been. But there was just one problem with that. The kind and romantic person she had first met was never who Damien actually was. It was all a ruse to control and manipulate her. And even months later, as the situation inside Terry's home worsened, his plan was still working. At some point, the line was crossed between Terry having the choice to stay and that choice being taken away from her completely. By then, Damien was in complete control of Terry, her children, her finances, and her movements. Even if she had wanted to go, she may have felt that the risk of harm was too high for her and her children, and she might have felt it was better to play it safe until Damien found somebody else to target. Unfortunately, by that point... It wasn't only Terry who was being abused and controlled inside that house. Lacey was Terry's 11-year-old daughter. She was described as a very sweet, caring little girl who exhibited many of her mother's best qualities, such as her compassion and willingness to help others. In the final picture taken of her and her best friend, Connie Gent, the pair stood behind a table filled with sweets and biscuits in an attempt to raise money for a friend's cancer. Lacey also enjoyed dancing and performing for her family members. She was known as a girly girl who was also affectionate, loving and caring toward her family. Then there was her big brother, John Paul, who was known as a highly intelligent, respectful boy who was always thoughtful towards others. He was very affectionate towards those he was closest to, not ashamed of wanting a hug from his mum or dad. He loved gaming with his friends and hanging out with his dad. On that terrible night in September 2021, Lacey's best friend, Connie Gent, was staying over at Terry's house for a sleepover. The two young girls had stayed at each other's homes countless times before, but this night was to be a night like no other. The 18th of September 2021 started out like any other day for Lacey, John Paul, Terry and Damien. The children headed off to school, Terry went to work, and Damien set about finding his supply for the day. It took until the afternoon for Damien's dealer to come through with his order, 
and by then the two children were home from school. Children being in the house had never stopped Damien before and he began to consume large amounts of marijuana and cocaine right there in the living room. And as the afternoon wore on, he added alcohol and meth to the mix. That evening, while the children were getting ready for bed, Damien took a hammer to the heads of Terry, Lacey, John Paul and Connie. He murdered them where they lay, brutally attacking them with such violence that some of the officers involved in processing the scene still receive counselling to this day. Now, your first thought might be, maybe Damien was drug-crazed or having some kind of drug-induced psychosis and he didn't actually know what he was doing. Well, let's lay out some of what happened after the murders and before the police showed up to demonstrate how unlikely that version of events may be. Just a few hours after bludgeoning, brutalizing and murdering the family, Damien took John Paul's Xbox to trade for more drugs. On CCTV footage, he can be seen catching a taxi to Sheffield and handing the console over to the dealer. The taxi driver made small talk with Damien during the ride. Of course, the taxi driver had no idea what the man had been up to earlier that evening. And so, when he asked how Damien's night was going and got the reply, not too bad, a bit mad, he didn't really think much of it. After topping up his drug supply, Damien went back to Terry's house and walked to the local shop to buy cigarettes. After going back to the house full of bodies, he made a plan. Damien decided to hurt himself, though his reasons for doing so have never been made clear. Maybe it was an attempt to say the murders were self-defense, or maybe it was to garner some sympathy from the officers and deflect what he had done. Regardless of his reasons, he wasn't attempting suicide, because the cuts were very shallow and only produced a small amount of blood. After cutting himself to the chest and stomach, Damien called his mother and told her he had some self-inflicted stab wounds. She immediately called the police, and minutes later, as we know, Damien called the police himself and told them he had murdered four people. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. After finding the bodies, officers immediately took Damien to the hospital whilst other officers and emergency services made their way inside the home. When questioned after receiving treatment, Damien stated, The entire house was covered in claret. I bet you don't usually get four murders in Killer Marsh, do you? Well, I mean five, because my missus was having a baby. Tragically, this statement was true. Terry was pregnant with Damien's child. Was that part of the reason why she didn't want to leave him? To protect her unborn child? Investigators estimated that the murders took place between 9.42pm and 10pm the night before. Some of Terry's neighbours had come forward to say that around that time they'd heard a commotion coming from the residence. None of the neighbours reported the disturbance to the police. Damien admitted to using a hammer to carry out the brutal murders. The hammer would later be identified as a claw hammer. He repeated that he did not realise what he'd done. Quote, Until I walked in the room and saw my missus and daughter. Note here that he refers to Lacey as his daughter. Keep that in mind because what was discovered soon after the murders will reveal just how twisted and malicious Damien Bendel actually is. The autopsies of Terry, her children and Connie revealed the truly horrific circumstances of the murders. Terry was found on the floor of her bedroom. She had suffered nine blows to the head and face with a claw hammer, which would have killed her quickly. Connie Gent, Lacey's best friend, was found in another room lying face down with multiple blunt force fractures to the back of her head. John Paul was found lying naked in the bathroom, presumably because he was about to take a shower at the time of his murder. But it was Lacey's murder which would demonstrate how truly horrific and perverted Damien Bendel truly is. In contrast to the deaths of her brother, her mother and her best friend, Lacey's murder was slow and painful. Like the others, she suffered a severe brain injury as well as lacerations to her head from being hit with a claw hammer. Her eyes also showed signs of hemorrhaging, which indicated that she had been strangled as well. However, this is far from the worst of what happened to young Lacey. She had survived the initial attack and continued to live for at least another 30 to 60 minutes. 
Her body was covered in defense wounds, demonstrating how the young girl had fought courageously for her life. After bashing her head in, Bendel had picked up her body and carried it upstairs into the master bedroom. He laid her on the bed and proceeded to rape, who he described as his daughter, twice. Once when she was unconscious and dying, and again after she had taken her final breath. It would later be revealed that Damien had even propped a mirror up in such a position that he could watch himself violate Lacey on the bed next to her mother who lay dead on the floor. Throughout the investigation, Damien stuck to his story that the murders were the result of a psychological impairment. He claimed to have suffered a head injury a few years prior, which he believed contributed to his mental illness. As a result of these claims and his strange behavior at the scene when officers arrived, various psychological and neurological tests were performed to assess Damien's culpability. Unsurprisingly, the tests all confirmed that Damien was perfectly healthy, in control of himself and was well aware of his actions at the time of and after the murders he had committed. Damien pled guilty to all four counts of murder, as well as to raping Lacey. He was sentenced to a whole life order, meaning he will never be released except in exceptional compassionate circumstances. As he handed down the sentence, Mr. Justice Sweeney told him, As the prosecution have said, you carried out vicious, brutal and cruel attacks on a defenseless woman and three young children, during which you went around the house attacking them. It was perfectly clear that none of the victims stood a chance. It would later be revealed that the probation system, which should have monitored Damien during his suspended sentence, had every indication that Damien was likely to reoffend, and yet nothing had been done to limit this likelihood. As a result of the murders, officials ordered a review of the probation service and the findings of the report identified that the assessment and supervision of Damien were of an unacceptable standard and that critical opportunities to correct the errors were missed. It also identified how a lack of qualified probation officers as well as overwhelming caseloads meant that Damien's case was assigned to a brand new probation officer who hadn't even completed their basic training. One probation officer involved in Damien's case was fired for gross misconduct and another was suspended pending an investigation. Tragically, Damien's violence against Terry wasn't his first foray into domestic abuse. A former partner had made similar allegations against him, which she had reported to authorities. That report was not properly documented and it wasn't passed on to his probation officer. Just one year before Damien slaughtered Terry, her two children and Connie, probation services were contacted by the police with concerns about his inappropriate relationship with a 16-year-old girl who was in foster care. 
Once again, these concerns were not recorded correctly, nor were they addressed any further, despite the increasing of Damien's risk of sexual harm towards other young girls that the relationship could have indicated. The report also revealed other troubling aspects of Damien's personality. Not only did he model his behavior off thugs and gangsters, he also claimed to be a high-ranking member of a white supremist group called the Orion Brotherhood. Whilst the inspectors responsible for making the report found no evidence that he was in such a position, they did note that some of his tattoos were Nazi-inspired insignia. The concerns about his involvement in white supremist action seemed to be the focus of his probation officer's attention, rather than the reports of Damien's escalating violence or sexual harm. Terry was not made aware of any of these concerns, and although Damien gave her address as his residence for his curfew, there is no record that Terry was aware of the conditions of his suspended sentence. Ultimately, the report concluded that if Damien's case had been handled appropriately with all risk factors recorded, he would have likely been kept in prison rather than released under supervision, which had enabled him to cross paths with Terry in the first place. Quote, It is possible that, had an holistic assessment been provided to the court, including his pattern of offending against Asian men, use of callous and organized violence against prison staff, an analysis of previous non-compliance and the most recent high risk of serious harm assessments, an immediate rather than suspended prison sentence might have been imposed. Though many will mourn the loss of the Killamarsh murder victims, the most affected are Lacey and John Paul's father, Jason Bennett, their grandmother and Terry's mother, Angela, and Connie's parents. Jason stated how the murders of his children had, quote, destroyed and taken my life away. I am living a continual nightmare. I have a story in my head of how they died. I live their trauma and feel their pain. It feels like a reoccurring punishment. Before his children's funeral, the heartbroken father requested that all those mourning his children sing a song with him that the trio would sing on road trips. Quote, Me and my babies always used to sing a certain song in our car and belt it out like nothing else mattered. I'm trying to stay strong. And while I'm carrying both my babies on my shoulders, I'm determined to belt the song they love out loud as if we were in our car. Sing along if you'd like, and give me hope and strength. Celebrate my beautiful, happy babies. Below his post, he added a video of the song Never Enough from the film The Greatest Showman. Jason was seen weeping at his children's graves whilst laying down flowers, in a tribute dedicated to his daughter Lacey, whom he called the TikTok Queen. He said that he was lost without her. He left her a note that read, 
Look after your big brother and don't wind him up. Jason recalled how John would not hurt a fly. If he saw an insect, he would carefully put it outside. In the note he left for his son, he wrote, My beautiful son, keep your kind heart shining while the angels are looking after you for me. Jason has publicly stated how he will never forgive himself for being unable to protect his children from Damien. Quote, I didn't protect my beautiful babies enough from the monsters, and now they have been suddenly taken away from me. Terry's mother Angela expressed the bone-deep grief she feels at the loss of her child as well as her grandchildren. Quote, Terry, Lacey and John meant the world to me and were the most precious people in my life. Not being able to give them a kiss and a hug and tell them I love them breaks my heart. She stated how she will forever regret allowing Damien into her and her daughter's homes. To this day, she has nightmares about Damien and the final terrifying moments of her daughter's and grandchildren's lives. She speaks of being unable to cope with the sympathy coming her way. It's hardest when she sees children, which reminds her of the fact that she will never get to see her beloved grandchildren again. Connie Gent's father, Charlie Gent, also paid tribute to his daughter and stated that losing her has, quote, completely torn my life apart. The man who carried out the crimes can only be described as truly evil and should never be free from incarceration, just like the families of the victims in this case will never be free from their life sentence as a result of the shocking and abhorrent crimes he committed on a defenseless woman and children. Just like Jason Bennett, Charlie expressed his guilt at being unable to protect Connie when she needed him the most. Quote, My little girl has gone. I can't even put into words or even how to feel or react right now. Shouldn't even be right in this. Now have to live with the fact I was helpless to protect her and she's gone. Fly safe, baby girl. I love you with all my heart and always will. Gonna miss you like crazy. While Damien received an appropriate sentence for the horrendous crimes he committed, it is hard not to feel like it should never have been able to happen in the first place. This is yet another case where the system let down those it was designed to safeguard. There were many missed opportunities to protect the community from Damien, and yet, through the actions of individuals and the larger system, he was allowed the freedom to carry out four horrific murders. We can only hope that the recent increase in funding for the probation system will help to stop any similar failures. But this story also belongs to Terry and her children. Maybe if there were more effective support services to help people in violent and controlling relationships to leave safely, 
then Terry might have had the confidence to leave Damien when she knew something wasn't right. Unfortunately, people like Damien know just how to exploit their partner's vulnerabilities and take advantage of their kindness to get exactly what they want. In this situation, though, it's hard to pinpoint what Damien hoped to achieve by killing Terry, Lacey, John Paul and Connie. Was it a moment of rage? Was it an ego-boosting demonstration of superiority? Or did he simply enjoy the violence of their deaths? Thank you for listening. Please accept my huge apologies for the late release of this episode. I have been suffering with sun poisoning, which ultimately led to an infection that required treatment. Yeah, (laughs) sun poisoning. It is actually a thing. Would you believe it? I had no idea such thing even existed. Anyway, all that put me behind a few days. And as I like to make sure that everything is as good as I can get it before I share it with you, it did mean that Wednesday's episode just wasn't ready in time. I do apologise. I appreciate your patience and support, and thank you so much for being part of this community. Stay tuned because there are more exciting episodes of True Crime Britain coming up soon. I'm so grateful for the new Patreon supporters who jumped on board this month. You're not just supporters, you are now part of the family. I love hearing from you and seeing your comments and reading your feedback, and your support really helps me to keep doing something that I'm so passionate about and being able to share it with you each week. So, a big shout out to this week's new patrons, Kate Johnston and Debs. Thank you for joining me and supporting my work. I couldn't do it without you. Keep an eye out on Patreon for some great content which I'm working on right now, which will be landing on the page in the next week. I'm a little bit behind again, I apologise, but it will be with you within the next week. Thank you for all the lovely kind messages I've received from you all this last week. If I haven't replied already yet, I will do so before the week is out. And now all there's left to say is have a great week, take great care of yourself, wear plenty of sun cream if you're in a hot environment, and as always, please stay safe. If you are affected by any of the content featured in today's episode, please see the show notes or visit www.truecrimebritain.com where you can find links to further support. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.